Good morning. Welcome, welcome. Whether you are joining us online or here in the sanctuary or on public television, whether you're on vacation in the moment I'm speaking and you're listening to this next week, welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. I'm Reverend Erin Walter. My pronouns are she, her, and it is my honor and joy to serve as your interim minister for joy and justice. I've been on study leave and vacation to the extent that I vacation over the last month, and so it's especially with deep gratitude that I return to the pulpit today. I've missed you. We're a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth and meaning and beauty. I especially want to welcome you if you're new, if you're returning after a long time away. If you're here with us in person, this is that time in the service where we invite you to greet the divine among us in saying good morning to your neighbor. If you'll join me now as we light the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Again, good morning. I'm Michael West. My wife, Linda, and I have been members here since the early 1980s. At that time, I volunteered down the end of the hall to the left to teach in the RE wing, teach religious education, to the energetic youth of this church. From elementary through high school, young Aaron Walter was an in, an in an enthusiastic, enthusiastic and inquisitive member of these classes. Aaron has brought so much to this community and to other communities. Today, she takes another step in our soulful journey together, and of course, we all wish her well. Our call to worship today, we arrive together here by Andrew Pakula. We arrive together here, travelers on life's journey, seekers of meaning, of love, of healing, of justice, of truth. The journey is long, and joy and woe accompany us at every step. None is born who does not die. None feels pleasure that does not also feel pain. The tear has not yet dried on the cheek, but the lips curve sweetly into a smile. Numerous are our origins, our paths, our destinations, and yet happily our ways have joined together here today. Spirit of life, spirit of love, may our joining be a blessing. May it bring comfort to those who are in pain. May it bring hope to those who are in despair. May it bring peace to those who tremble in fear. May it bring wisdom and guidance.
for our journeys. And though this journey may be just for a moment in time, the moment is all we can ever be certain of. May we embrace this in every instant of our lives. When I first said yes to my other job as the minister and executive director of your Texas UU Justice Ministry, I used to walk my dog in Bastrop and sing that song to myself because I knew not where the journey would take me. And music is my sacred text and my mantra and my guide. And so in singing that song, somehow it brought me home. And so I'm grateful that we got to sing it together today. I'd like to invite Michael up to do the mission statement with me, because as he said, we have a special, will you come up and do it with me? A special history together, and I couldn't be more thankful when I looked at the lay leader spreadsheet and it said, Michael West, one of my favorite people in the world. All right. (laughs) So our church wrote this mission together, and so we say it together every Sunday, And we hold it as a guide. It's not something we just say. It guides the way we move in the world and the example we set for ourselves and for everyone along the way. So let's say it together and commit yet again. Together we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Good morning. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Values and Mission here at the church, and it is my pleasure to get to begin our expression of appreciation to my colleague and my friend, Reverend Aaron Walter. It doesn't seem possible that it was only a little over a year ago that we were talking about what are we going to do about our upcoming interim ministry at the church. And I said to our board president, Nathan Lawrence, at the time, I'm going to call Aaron Walter. (laughs) That's not exactly how it went. We talked about it. And Aaron said, why don't you see if she would think about doing it part-time? So I called Aaron, and she was interested. And as they say, the rest is history. I cannot imagine that the Holy Spirit was not at work that we ended up doing a year of interim ministry with Aaron and John Alou. I think it ended up being a perfect combination of skills and styles that the church got to experience from this ministry team. And because of our connections, especially Aaron's connections, some wonderful and diverse guest ministers that brought perspectives from different identities and different styles for us to get to experience. And of course, because Erin is our reverend for joy and justice, and because of her position with the Texas UU Justice Ministry, I think this church took a a giant step forward in our presence at that unfortunate Texas state government that we have this year, and I think that our relationship with Erin had a lot to do with that. I will say personally that that Aaron and I became even deeper colleagues and friends over the past year. We were there for one another during times that both of us went through that were challenging. We held one another. It's 
It's funny how those things don't leave you alone just because you're trying to do a church transitional ministry and that church has been closed for two years because of a pandemic. So it was wonderful for Aaron and I to be able to be there for one another. I will always cherish that and I will look forward to how our relationship grows as we continue to work with Aaron through the Texas UU Justice Ministry and the great things that we will all do together. So thank you, Aaron, for your support and for all of the joy and justice you have brought us. Vic. Hey, all. Um, I'm Vic Cornell, the board president. And uh, if you don't know, my eldest, who's now in their 20s, um, was raised in this church from zero up. Uh, And my youngest is currently in RE uh, in the about to start the high school group. And it it gives me special heart warmth uh, when Aaron comes back to this church of all churches um, to serve as our interim minister. Um, She gives me hope that that UU is not the religion that our children graduate from, um, but that it's a, a a lifelong purpose and and path that we can put them on. And I'm I'm glad that our paths intersected again. So I have read this book, Ron's Big Mission, in this church before. It is one of my favorite books of all time, and it is illustrated by Don Tate, an Austin illustrator. And I wanted to read it again because I'm pretty sure the kids I read it to last time have already grown up. So let's read it again. Ron's big mission. This is a true story. You're up early this morning, Ron. What's the rush? Asked Mrs. McNair. Come and have your breakfast. I made some oatmeal. I have to go, Mama, said Ron, tying his sneakers. I have something to do this morning. You always have something to do, said his mom. Just be home by lunch. Ron was nine years old. That morning he left his house with a plan. He'd been thinking about it for a long time. It was a beautiful South Carolina summer day, and Ron looked up at the blue, blue sky. Someday, he thought, I'm going to be a pilot. But today, Ron was going to do something else very important. Ron walked down the street as fast as he could. He didn't want to be late. Hi, Ron, the grocer called from the front of the store. There you are, just in time for a donut. Morning, Mr. Douglas, said Ron. Thank you, but there's somewhere I've got to be. And he kept walking. We call this purpose, and it's one of the most meaningful spiritual concepts in life, I think. Ron has a purpose. Down by the schoolyard, Ron saw his friend Carl shooting baskets. All right, you made it, called Carl. Hi, Carl, said Ron. I wish I could stay, but I got something important to do. More important than basketball on summer vacation? Are you kidding? Ron laughed. He loved to play basketball, but not today. Today was too important. Where do you guys think Ron is right now? Library. Library. There's some really important stuff going on in libraries and bookstores in Texas. Our librarians and our booksellers and our readers are fighting for the right to read any book they want. And let's see what happens next for Ron. When Ron got to the Lake City Public Library, he stopped. This was it. He was hot from walking so fast, and he was nervous, too. 
He took a deep breath, lifted his head high, and went inside. Who do you think this is? Yep. Mrs. Scott was getting ready for all the people who would use the library today. As the head librarian, she had to make sure everything was neat and orderly. What do librarians like to tell you to do in the library? Yeah, (laughs) serious business. But Mrs. Scott smiled as Ron walked by. He was her best customer. Ron gave her a little wave. Yeah, it's a different kind of customer. The library books are free. It took Ron a while to find some books. He always looked for books that showed children who looked like him. But that was hard. There were not many books about black kids on the shelves. At last, Ron found some books on airplanes. He took the books and started walking to the front desk. Ron felt nervous. And remember, this is a true story. Ron felt nervous and his hands felt a little sweaty, but he knew what he wanted to do. Mrs. Fielding, a white lady who was often in the library, stopped him. You can give me the books and I'll check them out for you, Ron, she said gently. No thanks, Mrs. Fielding, Ron said. I'm going to do it all by myself. But Ron, she started to say. Ron was already on his way to the front desk. He put the books down. I'd like to check these out, please. The desk clerk didn't look at him. Didn't she hear me? Ron wondered. And he knew what he had to do. He jumped up on the counter. He wanted the desk clerk to know he was serious. Do you ever jump when you're serious? Yeah, Yeah, I do sometimes. Sometimes I jump. That's right. I'd like to check out these books, he said quietly. At first, the desk clerk and Mrs. Scott just looked at each other. You know you can't check out books, Ron, said Mrs. Scott. You can read them here. That's the rule. Only white people can check out books from the library. Ron looked at Mrs. Scott and the desk clerk politely, but he would not budge. What, what emotion or what strength is he using right now? Serious. He's serious. I heard purpose. Perseverance. Yeah, that's right. It's not fair. It's not fair. And she said he's mad about this and that righteous anger is real and righteous. And Ron, the word that came to mind for me was courage for this kid to do this. Yeah. Okay. Ron looked at Mrs. Scott and the desk clerk and would not budge. I always read them here. He said, today I want to check them out. Mrs. Scott and the desk clerk did not know what to do. Ron wouldn't get off the counter. People were staring and the desk clerk called the Lake City police. And I have to tell you, I get really nervous when that line comes about how they call the police. Two policemen came right over. Let someone check out the books for you, son. You know the rules. But Ron just shook his head. He would not budge. Now Mrs. Scott called Ron's mother. Mrs. McNair came to the library. I know how you feel, baby, but you have to follow the rules. I can't, Mama, he said. It's wrong. The rules are not fair. Why can't I check out books like everyone else? No one said anything. Mrs. Scott looked at Ron, and she thought about all the times that Ron came into the library and all the times that he sat 
at the tables for hours reading those books. She knew what she had to do. Mrs. Scott walked back into her office and started writing. Ron wondered what she was doing. Mrs. Scott returned and handed Ron a library card. His library card. Ron looked at Mrs. Scott and smiled, and he jumped to the floor. He thought he saw her smile, too. I'd like to check out these books, please, he said, handing the card to the desk clerk. The desk clerk took his card and stamped the cards in the back of the book. These are due back in two weeks. Ron smiled. Thank you, he said. Tucked the books in his arm, took his mother's hand, and they walked home. Ron couldn't wait to get to his room to open to page one. And here's what I love about this book, you guys. This is why I keep coming back to this book over and over again. First of all, the most powerful person in this book might be Ron. Might be a kid. Might be a kid standing up for what they believe in. And there were other people, though. There is a role for everyone. There is a role for everyone in making change, right? The the librarian, the clerk, ultimately accepted his card, even though it was against the law. His mom supported him. There is a role for everyone. And there is especially a role for kids. So I'm so glad you're here. And I hope you keep standing up for what you know is right in your life with support from your church community. Thank you for being here today. Will you take a breath with me? Now is the time in our service where we center ourselves, we meditate, we pray, we listen. And I want you to know if there are things that come up in this service for you that make you weep or angry or your heart heavy, the ministers of the church and the care team are here for you and your friends in this church are here for you. Please let us be here for you. I hold in my heart this morning our Unitarian Universalist siblings at Community Unitarian Universalist Church in Plano who have suffered attacks because of living our Unitarian Universalist values in the world. They were firebombed last week, as some of you know. Thankfully, everyone was safe and they are getting a lot of support. But God, I ask that you keep everyone safe that is seeking to live a life of truth and freedom and love and liberation. I pray for those who are sick, for the wave of COVID, while nothing like what we experienced several years ago, as far as I know, there are definitely still some of us, including my mom, who are homesick today, Um, and so I wish them speedy healing and love. Whatever is on your heart today, may this be a place where you can know that you don't hold it alone. And if you have joy, we want to share it with you. A prayer by Canadian Unitarian Universalist Reverend Maureen Killeran. Praise the world in all its pain and blessing. We are called today from the midst of pain and challenge. We are called to praise the world. 
From a world that appears broken, we are called to praise life's moments of joy and grace. From time that seems to freeze in ongoing exchanges of platitudes and blame, we are called to reach out to those around us, to connect with those we care about, to try to make amends with those from whom we are estranged. The world is too fragile. There is too much pain. Let us bring our hearts together on this day. Let us praise the world in all its blessing and its pain. We'll take a moment of silence together. When the music begins after the silence, I invite you to light candles of joy, of sorrow, of gratitude, of celebration. And one of my fondest memories from this year is of giving blessings with Biss Thornton um, during our service of grief. And so I, I wanted to leave you something. I have some stones here, and I'm going to be up here if you would like a hug or a blessing after you light your candle, if you would like to take a stone and put it somewhere special to remember this unique year that we've had, I brought some stones for you, too. So let's take some sacred silence together, knowing that our bodies will still make some sounds, probably. Blessed be.
I thought it might just start playing, but I'll tell you, it was the greatest joy to be part of a team with Reverend Chris and Reverend John Alou. And so the next piece of our service is a message and a blessing from Reverend John Alou. Hello. If you don't know me or have forgotten me already, I'm Reverend John Alou Johnstone. I use she, her pronouns. I'm your departing co-lead interim minister for Reflection and Discovery. And we have engaged in so much reflection and discovery over the past year. I want to commend the congregation for its strong involvement in interim work and commitment to moving forward in so many ways. Coming out of pandemic times, grieving losses, both personal and corporate and preparing for ministerial search. Ministry teams have rebuilt. Members are opening up to becoming more welcoming. Generosity has increased, and plans are developing to secure the church's future. Whatever happens, I trust this church to come through strong. Reverend Aaron asked me to leave you with a blessing. Consider this, that blessing, or if you prefer, a well-wishing for our leave-taking. I invite you to open your hearts and minds to the movement of the Spirit within and beyond you, within and beyond us. If you are in the sanctuary and you are able to, look around you. Otherwise, Bring into your imagination the members and friends you know from this church. Notice them all in love. If as you look around, you have to glance at one another at the same time, let go of awkwardness and simply notice one another. These are your people. Whether you see them in person or in your imagination. These people offer you caring, concern, even love, as you do them. May you ever trust one another, and may that trust always be merited. If there come times of conflict, of disappointment, or of difficulty, may you turn toward one another. Work with your right relations team. Find solutions together and strengthen your relationships through the challenges. If there come times of joy, of connection, or of success, may you celebrate together boisterously, exuberantly, even wildly. And if you're a more reserved type, may you find a quiet, calm, centered way to join the celebration. Together, may you know growing wisdom. May this church become a place of sanctuary, growth, and inspiration for thousands of people. Some affiliated with this church others Unitarian Universalists across the region and the nation, and others 
not even you, you, but still growing to be better people because they know you, the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. May you ever grow deeper in your mission, nourishing souls, transforming lives, doing justice, and building the beloved community. I am ever grateful for my time with you. Goodbye. Amen. And blessed be. There once was a village at the edge of a riverbank on a long, slow-flowing river. There were houses right up to the edge, and everyone enjoyed the view of the water and swimming with the ducks, the gentle sounds of the river, and the fresh fish they had to eat. The village had been there for many years, long enough that they had forgotten. The village had once been sitting quite a bit inland, and that there was once a path to the river, rather than steps from people's porches to their boats below. One day when the villagers were at their various tasks, at home, at work, at play, they heard a horrible squealing sound, a groan and a shudder and a whine and then a terrible crashing and splashing. They all dropped what they were doing and ran to the river's edge, just in time to watch one of the porches floating away. Down the river, around the bend, people began talking and then debating and then arguing about what to do. Until the first three people finally said something. I want to rebuild my porch stronger and better than ever, said the owner of the house that had been torn apart and who hoped that things could be as they were. I want to move away from the water said the person who lived next door and who was afraid that the river was growing stronger and faster. I want to shore up the riverbank, said the person who lived on the other side of the house without a porch and who thought that things might be okay with just a little effort. I want to help you do the things you need to do, said the mayor of the village and added, And I want everyone to help everyone else get it done. The people in town who could work with stones began building a wall along the riverbank to strengthen it and stop it from eroding. The people in town who could work with wood helped to rebuild the porch that was lost and made it stronger so that it wouldn't break under the stresses and the strains that caused it to break in the first place. And everyone else helped move things. Even the children carried single spoons or pillows to an empty house on the other side of the village. Each person did something, the best they could, to strengthen the village. And now it still stands right on the edge of the riverbank. And every so often, someone clamors down to the water to make sure the walls are still sturdy and that the porches are strong. Every so often, someone gets nervous about living near the edge, and the village helps them move to a place that feels more like home now. 
The village altogether helps people who are lonely or scared, who cannot do everything on their own, which is everyone. And they made their village a happier, safer, better place to live. I share this story for you with permission from our colleague, the Reverend Adam Robersmith, because it has stayed on my heart ever since he came to be the interim minister of my congregation that I was a member of before I went to seminary, Second Unitarian Church of Chicago. He came at a time when we had had a very difficult break with our minister, And First UU had also just had a very difficult break with the minister who married my husband and me. It's all in the family. (laughs) Um, uh, Churches go through changes. A sudden change in the life of a community, like an encroaching river or the unexpected retirement of a beloved senior minister due to health issues, which is what brought myself and John Alou here with you, can give us an opportunity to look more closely at our structures. Sometimes we realize things we took for granted need our attention. Things we assumed were stable turn out to be a little shakier, especially after a pandemic. And that is okay. That is to be expected. If you had only ever been to one Unitarian Universalist church and had one minister, during that decade or so when Reverend Meg was here, and if this year felt like a lot of upheaval, I just want you to know that you just went through something normal. And there's more normal to come. As the church enters its second year of interim ministry, a key time when you will have significant decisions to make, I encourage you to look within yourself to think about your role in the village by the river, what you might be doing. Imagine yourself in that story and then imagine yourself and think about what your role might be in this year ahead here. For some of you, it's time to build, to serve by volunteering, stepping up to the community's needs like the welcoming team that is new and rejuvenating or teaching RE if you haven't done that yet, especially. For others, it's time to shore up, to give responsible, thoughtful, wise, and sometimes difficult feedback where it's needed. And I said some of you, but actually every single one of you is needed in this category to be giving thoughtful, community-centric input to the search committee in their survey. And for some of you, it may even be time to retreat a little bit. And I'm thinking of some of our staff who have been working very hard, sometimes over-functioning, out of necessity or out of a sense of call. I hope you get some rest. I hope the community will come together and do some of the things so that everyone can chip in where they are needed. James Luther Adams, one of our most prominent recent Unitarian theologians, said, The faith of a church is an adequate faith only when it inspires and enables people to give up their time and energy to shape the various institutions, social, economic, and political, of the common life. So I also thank you for the ways that you have done that together this year.
In his book, Let Your Life Speak, one of my favorite teachers, Parker Palmer, and here's the book right here. It's little, so I can carry it around. Says this, and I was thinking of Vicki, who fiercely declared herself an artist. Amen. We find our callings by claiming authentic selfhood, by being who we are, by dwelling in our deepest vocational question, which is not, what ought I to do with my life? It is something more elemental and demanding. Who am I? What is my nature? It reminds me of my all-time favorite quote, and this is the last one I think I'll give you, from the black liberation theologian Howard Thurman that says, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I know I have come alive with you this year because when I was packing up the office this morning, I was packing hula hoops, a guitar, cowboy boots, a guide to all the offices and contact information of your Texas legislature. (laughs) And I simply pray that you will keep coming alive here, helping this church, this community, this faith keep coming alive. The world needs it. The world needs you. And so I'm going to ask you just to repeat back to me one more time the words that we started with at the beginning of this church year, the affirmations that have been on my door, mine and John Alou's door all year. I'll read one to you, and if you just say it back to me, because I think they're going to be relevant to you moving forward as well. Affirmations as we move into distance learning. The best I can do is my best. How human of me to feel nervous about trying something new. How human of me to feel nervous about trying something new. I will give myself the grace I give others. I will give myself the grace I give others. This is only temporary. This is only temporary. I can do difficult things. I can do difficult things. My favorite. I don't have to have it all figured out to move forward. I don't have to have it all figured out to move forward. I will make mistakes, and that is okay. I will make mistakes, and that is okay. Amen. If you will join me today in the words we say in unison to extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. It has been the greatest honor and gift to serve this church this year. Thank you, Chris, for the invitation. Thank you, John Alou out there in, I think, Colorado, (laughs) for the teamwork. Thank you all, as she said, for participating in the vital work of the interim ministry, the listening circles, the services, the history workshop, the welcoming workshop, the, I think about the teams, uh, the caring team, the healthy relations team, all the work that's gone on this year, and then all the things that you haven't seen It's been a real honor to be alongside you in your 
the most important moments that are private, where we can sit together and cry, and also to be there for your memorial services of your loved ones, um, for weddings. It's just been an incredible, incredible honor. And I just want to say that um, while you won't see me as often, most likely, unless you're a capital junkie, um, I will see you. And I just, there's not one of you that I got to know as much as I would have liked. Every single one of you I could have used more time with, but it's been such a gift. So if you might put a hand out or hold a hand if you're willing, it's up to you. All things by consent. This is your benediction. May you still feel small when you stand beside the ocean. Whenever one door closes, one more opens. Promise me that you'll give faith a fighting chance. And it's a metaphor. You don't have to literally do it. But when you get the choice to sit it out or dance, will you say it with me? Dance! Amen. Ashe. Blessed be. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.